Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. I'm Tara. I am back in the saddle here with Danny Meringue. We are here to break down the first game of the Trailblazers 2018 playoff run. Didn't go like everybody was hoping it was going to go. You know who else could use a second take right now? You know who else could use (laughs) a second take? The Blazers. They could use a second take on game one. Oh, so clever, Dan. (laughs) So clearly, after last night's game, you have not yet fully processed it. It sounds like you're still hanging on. uh, I was drinking on live TV, okay? (laughs) (sighs) So, Dan, I would like to to, uh, kindly recommend my personal cure for after a Blazer game. When it looks like they're going to lose, that's when I start thinking about what I'm going to watch right afterwards to try to bring me back. And oh, you don't night, let it I, go though. I, you, you don't. You don't let it go. Just get it within ten. Just get it within ten. We're sitting there watching the game with a bunch of other folks last night. Shane, Joe, and I. I go. You guys realize that they're going to get this just close enough to really break your hearts. And of course, I got the usual. Yeah. Oh, come on. I'm like, this, this is Portland. You should all know by now. Dan, if you can't, if you can't try to make the best out of it, I don't know what you're doing watching. Hey, you know what? I, <laughs> I knew it was coming. I was preparing myself for it. Well, and I was preparing myself for the exciting comeback. And you know what? They fell just short, but that turned out to be a lot more, uh, a lot closer than it looked like it was going to be for a while. But so wait, okay. So I got I got to tell you how I quote unquote watched the game. I was kind of one of those uh, for a while. I was one of those blogger boys, you know, that only looks at the box scores that everybody, all the players are complaining about these days. Mm-hmm. So I was on an airplane and I landed about just after halftime or something like that. So I looked at Twitter to try to find out how the game was when yeah. it was, my plank came in. I know. <laughs> and the, I checked the box score. First I checked the box score and Rajon Rondo had 14 assists and Nurkic only had four shots. And I was like, what is going on? And thankfully for and you, then I turned I over didn't... to Twitter and it was on fire. Like, I, like yeah. I thought it was just like probably the most horrible thing had, had happened. And it was just like, Oh my gosh, it sounded awful. And then this morning I actually went back and watched the game because I am here for you Blazers Edge fans to do that sort of thing. Glenn and <laughs> I I watched, I rewatched the game and actually that first quarter wasn't bad. I mean, it was like there were a lot of there were oh. actually highlights in there, which I completely, you know, missed in the Twitter dumpster fire that what, was going where are on. We're setting the bar for highlights nowadays. So Evan Turner had nine points. He was four of seven in shooting. That was like, you know, he was hitting his shots, right? That should let you know right uh, away. Evan Turner's got seven shots in the first quarter. That, that's, that's, on, that's, that's suboptimal. And the, I think the okay. best thing about, about this, this whole game for the most part is that my phone was dead, so I couldn't even be on Twitter during the game. Yeah, that was good for all of us. Mm-hmm. So you asked about other highlights. I'm looking, I was, I was looking at and trying to appreciate the individual plays because I knew how the outcome of the game was going to go. So I was trying to watch at least for something that was fun. There was this great, uh, moment. Uh, there was like three 30 left in the first quarter and Ed Davis was caught up in this. All I can describe it as like a whirlpool made of Davis, Miritich and holiday. Like they were all <laughs> surrounding him and like going around in circles and he was under the basket and he caught it and he somehow 
leapt up out of this whirlpool and dunked it. And that was awesome. That was definitely a highlight, especially for people who love Ed Davis like I do. <laughs> you know, so there were there were some highlights. And sure, 18 points is not how much you want to score. But um, the Pelicans only had 21. So it wasn't like it was like hugely lopsided or anything. Anyway, my point is, I thought that the whole team, that from what I had gathered from the box score, was that the whole game was terrifically lopsided. But like, I would say, like the first quarter and a half a quarter, things were going pretty well. And then, if I had to say when it all sort of started to fall apart, was when the uh, the starters came back in with about six minutes left, I think, in the half. Every and highlight then... <laughs> from the Blazers was met by a counter almost immediately mm-hmm. by the Pelicans. I'm, I'm sitting here. I have the, the replay on right now as we're recording this here. I don't Sunday know night. why you do that to yourself. I, think I, I too am a glutton for punishment. And I just saw Nurkic get a, just a tremendous block on each one more. And then everybody just kind of stands there and watches the ball. Miritich grabs it and throws it, whips it around behind his back to a wide open Drew Holiday in the corner of Kansas three. Blazers come down. Evan Turner scores on the, in the post on a fantastic move. And then the Pelicans come right down. The Blazers get a half a stop. Anthony Davis grabs the rebound, kicks it back out. The defense okay, falls Kevin asleep. Calabro, you no, can no. stop now. The defense now. falls asleep, and they just toss a lob right over the top for an uncontested alley for Anthony Davis. It was just like, oh, the Blazers made a play, and the Pelicans scored. Hey, the Blazers made a play. Oh, and the Pelicans okay, scored. Okay, Dan, I'm going to cut just, you off. It's just brutal. You've, you've wallowed in your misery enough. We're going to keep it going, but it's going to be a more organized look at your misery. We're going to just lay it out by piece. We're going to pick it all apart. So let's start off by talking about the things that we talked about just a few days ago about what we were going to be looking for. I wanted to look about what to see, watch for in game one. You wanted to talk about it as, you know, a whole series. But there were a few things that we discussed keeping our eyes on. And one of them was pace. So in this in this game, so Portland in the regular season, to recap, um, was 19th in the league in pace. They were at uh, 98.8, basically, uh, possessions per game. And the Pelicans were the fastest pace in the league at 102. So this game turned out to be 99.3. So closer to Portland's pace than the Pelicans' pace. Yep. Discuss. Yeah, I think that's what kind of we anticipated was that it would, would slow down to the playoffs, but still faster than probably most teams. Um, and that's really kind of what, what it came down to. And the Pelicans, at the end of this game, almost spelled their own doom. The What made them so good, in a sense, was every time the Blazers slowed it down and, and worked a possession to score, the Pelicans came down and drove one pass, layup, dunk, or three. It was rinse and repeat. So every time the Blazers did something, the Pelicans came down quickly attacked, scored, and took away every bit of momentum that Portland had. So it wasn't necessarily about the pace of the game. It was the, the, the pace that the Pelicans opted to play. They, they let Portland slow it down. But then they were like, you know what? Make or miss, we're going to push. And they did. And they pushed very opportunistically. And what I think hurt them and allowed Portland to get back in the game is they started playing the prevent offense with like four or five minutes to go. They put the brakes on, and that allowed Portland to really get into it. I, I would assume. And what do you mean by prevent offense? They milked the Just clock. Just like stop. Okay. They they stopped trying to attack early. They were trying to run the clock down, mm-hmm. but I think they started doing that way too early. Because if you do miss, now you're giving Portland more time, and now Portland's getting the line and getting free throws. The clock stopped with even more time on the box, or more more time on the clock, and it's. 
it, it almost screwed him, to be honest. Um, but as far as the overall pace of the game, I was okay with it. If Portland was actually hitting a shot or moving the ball more than once a possession, um, things could have turned out a lot better. And that's more than just Dame could have been better or CJ could have been better. The offense in general just didn't look good. It didn't look good at all. So Dame and CJ were not hitting their shots. Do you think they were not hitting their shots because they were having an off night or was, were Pelicans playing them in a way that they were forcing them into bad shots that they couldn't make? Cause Drew both Holiday. those guys are pretty good at making bad shots. Yeah, no drew hall. The Dame and CJ are probably two of the best bad shot takers and makers in the entire league. Yeah. Um, we've the, talked about that before. Yeah, the odds will come back every now and then and bite you, but I don't necessarily think that was entirely the case. You have to give credit to drew holiday. He, he put Damian Lillard in handcuffs. He made him work for everything. There was, I think there was two different times where Drew went under the screen. And Dame took those opportunities, but all night long, Drew was fighting over the top and, and forcing Dame downhill, but forcing him downhill into Anthony Davis. So if he was spending all his time concentrating on Dame, why didn't CJ have the ball more? CJ did, but he was, he was catching the ball, and then the, the, everybody just kind of stood around. And then you're driving in to help defense. The, the Pelicans, this is kind of what we were talking about going into this game. They were perfectly content with letting Evan Turner get off. They were perfectly content mm-hmm. with Al Farouk Aminu taking shots. Anybody not named Dame or CJ was allowed to take shots. And the problem was the Blazers just could not capitalize. I mean, uh, Connaughton came in for a stretch and looked decent. Then he cooled off. Same for Shabazz. Aminu couldn't hit anything. Um, Collins came in really rough. Uh, I mean, you just kind of go up and down the board. The only guy who was really consistent all game long was, was Ed Davis. And even he had some mm-hmm. rough stretches. Um, well, Yusuf Nurkic didn't get very many shots off. I don't, like no. I said, when I landed, he'd only had four shots. Wait, was why, why was that? Was that because they couldn't get it to him? They, there were a couple times where this is kind of what we talked about with the pick and roll. And the, here's my biggest beef with the, with the game. There last wasn't night. much. They, pick and they went away from the pick and roll a ton. There wasn't it, much. It, pick it, and it, dis- it disappeared. It was there early on. Nurkic was catching in the paint and making the right reads, drawing the defense, kicking it out to the open guy. And then there was no follow-up or the ball was being stagnant after that. The reset wasn't there. Um, Nurkic did blow some, some bunnies inside. Um, he did well, enough on the offensive rebounds to kind of clean up a couple of his own messes. But other than that, he, he struggled inside a little bit, um, finished three for seven. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's just not going to cut it. Uh, you had Portland had what four or five guys, four guys with seven shots, one with eight and one with six. Zach Collins should not have more shots than Yusuf Nurkic. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, that's well, that's I, that thing. stood out to me and I wasn't, I wasn't quite sure. Well, and also if you look at their playing time, let's see, Yusuf Nurkic played a little over 24 minutes. Zach Collins played 21 Ed Davis played, uh, almost 20. Yeah. So it was pretty well spread out amongst the, uh, amongst the uh, centers. Yusuf Nurkic wasn't really in, I mean, he ended up with three personal fouls, but I never felt like he was particular, particularly in foul trouble. And you know how I like Yusuf Nurkic who's in foul trouble. So I personally thought, cause this is the, another thing that we talked about last week was keeping our eye on Yusuf Nurkic and how he was going to be really important to the game and seeing what uh, playoff Yusuf Nurkic did. I felt like he wasn't fully engaged this game. Uh, and I, I'm not quite sure why. And 
I'm hopeful because I don't think he was like, if he had been fully engaged and this had been the result, I would have been more worried, but I didn't like, he wasn't dunking. He wasn't running with the same, um, you know, leaning forward. Like he does when he's into the game, he just didn't seem as into it. And I don't know if he was having nerves or what, what, what did you see out of Yusuf Nurkic's play? Uh, offensively, he looked unsure of himself defensively. I thought he was okay. Um, people were worried about him covering Anthony Davis on the perimeter. Anthony Davis mm-hmm. shot four of 11 outside the paint. That's, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. I, I'm perfectly okay with that. Um, when he did do some damage inside, um, Davis, that is, mm-hmm. a lot of it was on, not on Nurkic. It was on mm-hmm. Al Camino. It was on Collins. It was on Davis. Um, Ed Davis. Yeah. yeah. So it, it seemed like most of the time that Ed and Collins were in Collins was on Meritage. Yeah, and the the times that, that Nurkic did get beat by Davis, I remember the one play where uh, AD caught it on the move, went left-handed behind the back to the right, and just beat Nurkic to the spot. Anthony Davis is going to do that. He's going to make you look dumb on a couple possessions. You just kind of you just kind of have to deal with it. And I think Nurkic yeah. realized immediately that <laughs> he's he... to accept that. Yeah, and I think he realized immediately that he overplayed it. Uh-huh. And I think he was anticipating a little bit of help from the from the uh, from the baseline, but it it wasn't there. And that, that's the game of basketball. Like the, that's you know the superior player capitalizing on a mistake or a, or a slow rotation. Um, overall, Nurkic's defensive effort was good, not as good as I wanted it to be. Offensively, subpar for sure. Uh, wanted mm-hmm. to see some more from him, but again, it, that a lot of that is going to be dictated by. Um, the pick and roll and getting, getting him the ball. And there was a couple times where he worked down low for the mismatch in the post and he got looked off. Um, there were, there were a lot of things that, that just went wrong for, for mm-hmm. Nurkish on a lot of his reasons that were kind of out of his own, out of his own hands. Um, that's not to absolve him of, of his, of his shortcomings and his mistakes in that game. Um, but he needs somebody to get him the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's what I kept wondering is, were they just not able to get him the ball? Was it simply a lack of pick and roll? I mean, what other, you know, what other plays does he have in his toolbox besides the pick and roll? I mean, that's, that's what he lives on. Because that, there's, that you know, he doesn't do a lot of cutting. He doesn't, you know, um, he's not, not, not super mobile. He doesn't, he, he does always have that. They, he always has that one, a uh, long mid-range shot that he takes from just inside the three-point line. He did take like that one game. where he, he literally stepped one. in. And I'm like, if you're yeah. going to take that shot, dude, just, just stand right there where you caught it and take he it. He does that once a game like clockwork. Uh, that, 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 that one shot was frustrating me. and It was like, I, I didn't mind the shot itself, but to just take the three. It just, come on, man. So do you, do you have any ideas about why so uh, i we we talked about this before we hopped on about how um the the starters for the pelicans played a lot of minutes anthony davis played 40 Giroux played 39 meritich played 39 rondo played 39 the the highest player on the trailblazers was of course, Damian Lillard. And then CJ was 37, but then Evan Turner was down at 30. Amina was down at 30. So there was a more, there was a more, there's a larger distribution between oh, the Pelicans the relying on their trailblazers players. Yeah. So, so what do you think about that? I mean, do you think that it's, I mean, a shorter rotation like that? Do you think that it's likely that the blazers might shorten up 
their rotation? Or do you think that the Blazers are going to be playing a, a, a broad, a bigger number of players? No, I think, do you think that they just tried some stuff this time and now they'll bring it in? I think they'll stick with kind of what they've gone with. I I would rather see Nurkic out there more. I think he has the ability to give them more, obviously than what he gave them last night, but more than either Collins or Davis, because Collins and Davis Mm -hmm. have their role. There's, there's no doubt about that, but neither one of those guys, Collins has had what three double digit scoring nights all season. Ed Davis has had a handful but they're those are the kind of things that you, you appreciate when they happen, but you're not counting on them. Nurkic is the guy you're, you're supposed to be counting on. Mm-hmm. And for that to happen, well, he needs to be on the floor and he needs to be a part of the offense. Yeah. And I mean, I, and I understand if it's the first half and he's gotten three quick fouls and you need to sit him for extenuating a bit circumstances. Exactly. But he hasn't been he hasn't been getting in foul trouble. Nope. And speaking of fouls, there was a kind of an interesting game in terms of the, that there were not a lot of free throws taken, nope. especially notable. Damian only had two after what did we say? He'd been getting five, uh, 10. Yeah, nearly 10 a game. And uh, on the Pelican side, Anthony Davis had nine and Drew Holiday had one and nobody else had free throws. Yeah, there was a so lot. There was a lot of whistles. Were both being teams. Right. Well, and were were both teams also, I mean, I couldn't tell like the level of physicality because I didn't feel like it was like there were, you know, fouls being committed all over that weren't being called. I felt like it just wasn't, I don't want to say it wasn't a physical game. Obviously it was a playoff game. So they were, they were playing, but at the same time, it didn't seem like they were getting each in each other's spaces as much as I would have expected with these two teams. It wasn't like Nick's Heat. Think, it wasn't like Nick's Heat, and you know, in the nineties type playoffs. Do you think that's how the whole series is going to go? Yeah, it's going to be. It's a playoffs. It's going to be physical, and in the, if you get the right group of but refs, it felt not very physical to me. Uh, it was. It was. There was a lot of grabbing. There was. There's a. Particularly a lot oh, of gra- that one Rondo, that one Rondo uh-huh. foul that he had, where he was basically committing two fouls at the same time mm-hmm. on on Nurkic, where he had his arm, he was just grabbing his arm in those claws, and yeah. then he had his you're arm talking, around the way around. Him. You're talking about the one where he went and tried to go back up for the dunk, right? Yeah, there's yeah. Bruce Ely caught a beautiful picture of it. Yeah, it's there was there was so a few people good. at the bar that were like, "Why didn't he dunk that?" I'm like, "Because Frajan Rondo is trying to pull his arm out of his socket." Yeah. Yeah, he had. He, like, he could see his arm, just yeah. his hands, just digging into his flesh. Yeah, no, <laughs> was he, like, he was pulling the big bruise. man down with every. That was a playoff foul. I yeah. mean, that's exactly yeah. what that was. Yeah. It, like I said, it, it wasn't just the like most, there was a low number of them. Yeah, and honestly, I'm, I'd rather the game be called like that. I, I really would. Uh, there were a couple um, bad calls with nothing egregious. I'd, I'd rather the refs just let them play because I don't think any team really benefited more than the other. And that's that's kind of how I like that's to see a game. Want. That's what I want to see it officiated. Let just call it the same both ways, whether it's calling everything or calling nothing. Personally, I'd rather them call mm-hmm. nothing. Um, just kind of let it go, unless you know it impacts the play. That's kind of always been my mantra with that. But uh, part of that though is also on Damian Lillard. He mm-hmm. he didn't want to go to the rim. And I, I know why. I mean, Anthony Davis was a monster in there. Right. The, the Pelicans had Would 12 you blocks. Want to? <laughs> I mean, Rondo had, or uh, not Rondo, um, uh, Miritich had four blocks. Holiday. Oh, oh, Miritich, yeah. Yeah, right. uh, and Holiday had two. I mean, they, they got some long mm-hmm. arms in there. And uh, it was, uh, there was a deterrent. Um, Dame was facing yeah. two guys every time he got downhill. 
And when he kicked it out to shooters, guys were hesitating to shoot or they weren't taking the shot at all. Um, or they were just missing. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of the story of the night. It was, it was, it was not good. It was what we kind of expected to happen as far as New Orleans game plan. I just figured Portland would react better to the game plan. Do you think it was a matter of them not reacting? You think it was they didn't react. You don't think it was just off shooting nights from the two stars and not it, it was adapting fast night, enough. But it, it devolved into really bad basketball for long stretches. One pass, okay. dribble, dribble in one spot, and then take a contested step back to fade away. Like it's just, it, I literally just watched a possession where CJ took it off the first pass from Napier, caught it two feet inside the three-point line on the left wing, um, in and out dribble, step back, fade away with a hand on his face. I mean, that's just, and it was it was like this for long periods of time where it was one pass and a contested shot. They, they didn't work to get to the rim. They didn't work to get each other open. They weren't working to make the extra pass. I mean, it just it wasn't the worst thing I'd ever seen, but it looked. It had a hint of uh, of defeat in it. So I saw it differently. There's no big surprise. But then again, I watched it knowing what the outcome was. And I actually, after I went back and watched, especially that first quarter, there were a lot of good things about that about that first quarter. I don't know what happened to make them fall off the rails in, in the third quarter. But I saw a lot of things, and I thought that, the Blazers, I mean, I thought that the Pelicans played the the Blazers pace. And isn't that what we would want to see? I mean, or are you saying that the Pelicans were able to and they just toyed around with them and play like, yeah, we're going to play your game. I felt like it was one of those situations where like earlier in the season, the Blazers were doing the same thing over and over and over again, and it wasn't working. And then later on in the season, they were doing those same things, but they were working because they'd done them over and over again and they'd finally got them right. And I felt like this was one of those games where they were doing all of those same things that they've always done. And like they were like the I feel like the worst thing could have been if they like completely changed the plan. I don't I think felt they, like they, they at least changed the plan. I just think they needed to stick to the plan because it, yeah, it, it I know I, I, I've been a proponent of the ISO ball scoring because there are times when it is very, valuable, Oh my God, there were two Aminu ISO scores that I loved so you, much. You talk about Again, the, the I'm three finding that those he, little the, moments. The three that he hit when he looked off Nurkic wide open underneath the rim with nobody around him for five feet on each side. Cause that play drove me nuts. I, I, granted, he, he hit one. the three. You're talk, if you're talking about the straightaway three, granted, he hit it, but it was the wrong play. Nurkic is literally jumping up and down in the paint with nobody around him. Anthony Davis is, is caught in between, do I run the out that at Aminu or do I cover Nurkic? The one that I was thinking of was not a three. Okay. Um, there was another one where he completely lost the ball, and it was one of those wonderful, beautiful butterfly moments where it was just absolute chaos, and he lost the ball, and everybody was diving for it, and he came up with it, and he ended up um, getting it in. But you know me. I live for those. Yeah, it just – I mean, even even in the comeback, um, it, it wasn't great basketball as far as so like how the do execute th- stand, execution standpoint. Right. So how do you feel that things could be different if the Blazers have uh, Maurice Harkless back? Um, flexibility, for one. Uh, you, you put Turner back with the bench, Harkless with the starters. I don't know if Stotts will do that um, because Harkless has been out for a little while. And, you know, I would expect that Harkless is probably back for game three, uh, almost certainly game four now. Um 
from from what I've been able to kind of piece together from uh, from interviews from Harkless and and from the, and releases from the team. It's kind of I think what they're looking at. Um, so, God. Just again, games on in the background. CJ got caught up in the air with a ball. Stop quite a few watching times. it, Dan. You're supposed nah, to be paying attention to it, me, not it, the game. It was just something that happened a few times last night in really inopportune moments. Drew Holiday came up with that steal on the open court on McCollum, and I just saw one where he jumped up in the air with Anthony Davis guarding him and almost lost the ball there too. I think there was two other times he did that a few times, and that's that's this just really weird from CJ because it's almost kind of a panic move. And that's just that's just so unlike him. And that's why I think that the, the, where when I said it, it was almost kind of an, a defeatist idea, they just it seemed like their their first move didn't work, and they didn't didn't know what to do after that. And I know they had a game plan in place. It's just I think they expected to come out and dominate without actually dominating. And when that happened, um, mentally it took a little bit of a toll. Because it just it devolved into really really bad basketball there for long stretches. I think you're exaggerating how bad it was, but you know you have more experience watching the game than I did, and there certainly wasn't beautiful basketball. But I don't think it's the worst I've ever seen. <laughs> I didn't say it was the worst I'd ever seen. I said it devolved into really no, bad, really bad basketball. Really bad basketball. It, it was. I mean, you don't get down 19 in the playoffs playing good basketball. Hmm. I mean, that's just kind of the, the, the craziness behind it. And here's, here's the wild thing. We talked about pace and effectiveness and, and scoring early and easy opportunities. Do you know the Blazers actually won fast break points? Hey, well, there you go. Like, I just, I never in a million years. They didn't win much. And we were talking about it earlier. I, I forgot to mention this. The starters, the battle of the starters, the Pelicans mm-hmm. won points, rebounds, assists, steals and blocks and they shot better from the field. So were there any categories that the Blazers won? Uh, turnovers. turnovers. They had two less. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Yeah, it wasn't, well, it wasn't Blazers, good. It, <laughs> but the bench, how about the benches? The bench was kind of the, the, the exact opposite. The bench won in points. Okay. They won, they won handily in rebounds, assists, steals, blocks were even turnovers were even. They got outshot field goal percentage wise. Um, but that was it. You know, I'm, I'm curious. I would love to go back and look at a large sample size set to see how teams in the playoffs who play a large rotation versus a tight rotation, you know, like a big, you know, a lot of players versus very few players. I'd love to see like a historical study of if there are any patterns from that, like well, there's things you can glean from it, especially you know, like later into the playoffs and later in series when the legs get a little heavier. Uh-huh. But th- this is something I mean, that you, they, they do. When you have a bigger bench because you play more players, like you know, over at the end, you're at the end of the year if you're playing in a long series, do, does having those fresh legs make a difference? Yeah, and I mean, they the Pelicans played last night without Okafor. Um, Solomon Hill only played five minutes. Jake Diallo played ten minutes. I mean, mm-hmm. Darius Miller played 14 minutes. Basically, everybody else, Ian Clark, I think it was the next highest after the non-starters at 25. So you had 40, 40, 39, 39, mm-hmm. 27. Right. So, I mean, these guys yeah, are just getting a breather on, like, quarter breaks and stuff like that to kind of extend the, extend the break, and that mm-hmm. was it. Right. Well, I'm hoping that the, the Blazers' deeper bench – 
will prove to be useful to them. That's kind of what I was, what I was getting at, but you were also talking about how long some players played. There was one player on the Blazers who played 12 seconds. You want to talk about that play? Mm. I know you do. So I know a lot of people are, I'm, I mean, let's call it what it is. A, a lot, lot of people, people, people were very upset. Would you like me to? No, once, we're, we're, we're going uh, to go ahead and we're going to go and call it pissed off because that was the reaction in the room. That was the reaction on Twitter. That was the reaction pretty much everywhere I went. When everybody's like, "What was what? What happened? What were they thinking? Why did they do right. that?" I think I, I think what what you're trying to say is at the very end of the game when the Blazers were down, were they down three? They were down three. It was. Very surprising that Terry Stotts put in Myers Leonard, who had not played the entire game, and they put him in, and he ended up being the recipient of the play. Whether or not the play was run for him, he ended up being the one who got the ball or was supposed to get the ball uh, and ultimately was not able to because Drew Holiday deflected it. And not only was it an odd play because it was Myers Leonard who had been sitting the whole game, but also they went for two when they were down three. So, so people were very upset about that. And What's your reaction? They weren't going for two. Um, Brian Freeman and Eric Griffith put up, put up a post about the exact situation on Blazers Edge earlier today, and it was something that a lot of us kind of hammered through in, in the Blazers Edge Slack channel. Um, I, I was okay with, with the play, per se, from the what was diagrammed point of view. If you watch the playback, the play isn't designed for Myers. Myers is coming up to set the screen for Damian Lillard on the flare. Um, Miritich cheats. Holiday plays in between, and Holiday makes a phenomenal read. All Myers is doing is diving down to try to pull somebody away. Hope somebody breaks coverage and give Dame one-on-one coverage. And Myers cuts in the back cut, and it's a good cut. Giroud just makes a great play. It's literally what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Well, so they, they broke it down in the article saying basically that the options for sending the for for the center at the time were to send in Nurkic, who sets a great screen, but he can't stretch, stretch the floor to send in Collins, who doesn't set a great screen, but is more likely to be able to stretch the floor or is more of a threat from three or to put in Myers who can who set a great screen can and set a stretch. screen. And can stretch the floor. So when you look at it like that, you go, okay, he seemed like the right person to be in. Although I hope in the future, moving for other games, that Stotts will give him a few minutes before the very end of the game, before he puts him in. He didn't didn't do anything wrong. Drew Holiday just made a phenomenal play. And and we haven't talked enough about what Drew Holiday did in this game. Anthony Davis scored and Rondo put up the assist, but Drew Holiday was the best player on the court last night. He was a two-way nightmare. He was everywhere, making every big play all night long. He was an absolute monster. And that play, followed up by the block on Pat Connaughton, mm-hmm. were just examples of how valuable he is. And, and yes, it shows up in the box score as a block. But everything he was doing all night long was just right place, right time, all the time. And it was just beautiful from a basketball standpoint, from covering the Blazers standpoint, man, did it suck to be on the other end of that. <laughs> so how do you uh, crush that beauty when they meet again? What's I, the game plan? Drew Holiday is going to do Drew Holiday things. 
He's six foot five. Oh he's got a. We got to come up with a different phrase for you because no. you're all Ed Davis does Ed Davis things. Drew Holiday does Drew Holiday things. And you, you, you does media things. We got to come up with another catchphrase. No, you can't take away what these guys do. You're just what trying. Are the, you're, exactly you're trying to. The things. You're trying to minimize these things. And with with Drew Holiday, you're you're going to take away Drew Holiday's defense. You can't strip that away. You're going to take away Drew Holiday's leadership ability. You can't take that away. You're going to take away his seven-foot wingspan. You can't take that away. The only thing you can hope to do is make everything more difficult for him. And I think the the way you do that is, one, put him in the pick and roll and beat the hell out of him with Yusuf Nurkic. Wear him down. If he's going to play 40 minutes a night, let him take 30 screens from a 280-pound dude. Mm-hmm. that'll slow those legs down that'll slow those legs down big time so but do you think that wasn't in the plan i mean like why weren't they able to execute that because like yeah why weren't they able to execute that why was it not in their plan that's been their bread and butter all year i, I don't know what happened with that I, I think part of it has to do with the fact with how the pelicans were playing it and they were bringing anthony davis and drew holiday two enormously long defenders to mm-hmm. take away Dame's sightline and pressure him when the pick did come, and they weren't getting the results out of the pick and roll off the kickoff pass from the, the roll, you know, when Nurkic is rolling down the middle to the kickout to justify continue running that set, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Nurkic wasn't delivering when he did get inside. So I, I guess they so decided So they tried that it a few idea. times, and it was just like, this isn't working for us tonight with these players and the way they're playing us. It's just not going to happen tonight. A perfect example. Just the play that just happened on the floor right now. Damian Lillard runs the pick and roll with Zach Collins. Zach Collins dives down. They uh, Davis and uh, Drew trap uh, Lillard on the left-hand side. They leave Alfaro Camino directly above the break. Mm-hmm. He should have shot the ball. He didn't. Collins is open, but between Aminu and Collins is Anthony Davis. All mm-hmm. seven foot and seven foot one wingspan or seven two wingspan, whatever it is. And Aminu, might as well be 16 feet. Yeah. Aminu <laughs> throws a sloppy pass and Anthony Davis gets it, steals it, generates the break. And Etuan Moore goes down the floor and scores. So I, I can understand why going to the pick and roll and doing what they do. Well, if that, if your bread and butter is being taken away because you have an all world defensive player and not only Anthony Davis, but drew holiday, you've got to either find other wrinkles to the pick and roll or guys that are your secondary guys, Al Farouk Aminu, Evan Turner, Maurice Harkless when he returns, Connaughton, Navy, or those guys, they've got to make the shots. They've got to make the plays out of it. And that's always mm-hmm. been the key. That 13-game winning streak for Portland was because the secondary guys did things. There was no hesitation. Mm-hmm. There was no um, making the wrong read. There was no lazy passes. It was guys in a groove off of Damon CJ doing what they do best putting it on a plate for these guys. And that's that's always going to be the catch-22 with this this Blazers roster. As long as they have these these secondary guys that are a big fall from Damon CJ, it's going to be a problem. I mean, here we go again. Pick and roll with Zach Collins. Dame dribbles to the left, takes a contested shot. He had either wanted to get himself going and take the shot, or he just had no faith in Zach Collins because of the play before that. It means Collins was wide open above the break, but before the two plays before that, Collins had missed a wide open three. So Dame's trying to get himself going. So like I said, I think it, for me at least, it comes back to 
things weren't working, so they kind of devolved into the... I don't like to use the word, but it's what it felt like the entire time I was watching it, is they kind of had a defeatist mindset. Like, they've taken away what we do. Now what? And you just kind of... This whole idea of now what was mm-hmm. just emanating throughout the game. So, but at the end, when they did mount the comeback, mm-hmm. are you, con- compare, you know, considering what you said earlier, are you saying that that comeback was as a, a result of the Pelicans misjudging and slowing things down too much? Or were there things that you saw the Blazers were doing where they got it back together in order to be able to close it out and at least get it close? As always, it's a little bit of both. The Pelicans mm-hmm. slowing down, I, I think it was a very bad idea. I understand, again, why coaches do it. But I also, it's more, it's an entrenched idea. I mean, their idea. thing is that they play at the fast pace. Yeah, and this is so what... it seems risky for them to slow things down that much. I mean, the Blazers, you know, unless they're the ones choosing to slow it down. I think the Blazers did succeed a bit in slowing them down. Um, but I think it was to the detriment of their own rhythm. Well, the, the Pelicans and not just the NBA, but the NFL is the perfect example. The reason the, the old adage is the prevent defense or in the, in the NBA prevent offense. All I think it does is prevent you from winning because it gets you out of what got you there in the first place. I understand milking the clock, but you have to be better about when you milk the clock. Okay. They went to it way too early. Um, that allowed Portland to take a few more risks um, offensively because they knew they had more time. Um, as far as them doing some things, I think a lot of it came down to Dame, first of all, hit a couple big shots that energized the crowd. CJ started to hit a few threes. And the that defeatist mentality, that kind of seemed to fade away. Guys were working a little bit harder on defense. They generated a few steals. Uh, the one, obviously, that sticks out is the one where McCollum got on the fast break and got caught up in the air and turned the ball over. You know, if he makes a play there, instead of turning the ball over and getting caught up in the air, we may be talking about a different mm-hmm. result. And as bad as this game was, because, you know, I, I, I'm i all about the silver lining. Of all the crappy <laughs> things we've talked about tonight. Don't try to make it your thing, Dan. Portland, you don't get to no, claim the silver no, I'm, lining I'm is your it's, thing. It's, it's, it's full <laughs> on sarcasm. Come on now. But even with all of the crap that went on, as bad as it looked at times, they lost by two. Right. I mean, they were, they had, okay, great. Let's go ahead and call it five because, you know, part CJ's of that, three at the CJ's end. three at the end. All, all it did was close the margin of a defeat there. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, they were still, it was a one possession game mm-hmm. down the stretch. And execution, and as much as people want to beat up on Myers and Pat, those guys did what they were told to do. And mm-hmm. I, I don't have a problem with how, the stats, the, the plays stats ran. The Pelicans just had a better defensive plan in place, and then on top of that, the Blazers dug that hole. Kerry Stotts did not dig that hole. The Blazers did mm-hmm. with really poor execution, and then again down the stretch, really, 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 really head scratching plays um, by McCollum. CJ had two of them where you're just wondering what What are you doing, dude? One the turnover and one on a really bad shot. Um, and the Pelicans capitalized. Miritich hit an unreal shot. Drew Holiday hit an unreal shot. Anthony Davis, I think with like four minutes to go, got free for a, an, an alley-oop on the break to kind of 
rein things back in. That's what we were talking about earlier, the whole the momentum plays. The Pelicans just had an answer seemingly all game until that final stretch, and they, again, came up with the answering plays, uh, all three of them from Drew Holiday. The the crowd seemed like they were great, and which is why it's kind of a bummer. It, well, there's many reasons it's well, a bummer. Well, down the that they stretch, lost, they were. It, Early game, they were okay. Mid game, they were. Ugh, there was a lot of guys sitting on their hands. There was there was a lot of people that were Is in the right? room that were not thrilled with like with the way the crowd was. First time okay. they're opening at home in nearly ten years. That mm-hmm. place should have been just burning an hour before tip off. How come Trailblazer fans don't put on their free T shirts? That was one thing that I noticed. <laughs> yeah, did you notice that? Yeah, they're getting too good for it. And I don't know. Maybe that's part of our problem. You, Portland, embrace the free T-shirts. Put it on I over your like, two hundred dollar button up shirt. I, I don't care. I feel like Put that might have helped. Yeah, I'm hoping. I am. I am going to game two. So if there is a free shirt, I mean, I understand if you have your little like awesome boutique handcrafted, hand lettered, house made, you know, um, cover that up too. Shirt. <laughs> and you want everybody to see it. But when you're sitting in your seat in the arena, you know, it, it, it looks good. Like I was watching that. OKC man, they know how to wear their t-shirts. Their cl- their crowd does some cool things with the standing up until the, the first, first basket. basket goes in and then wearing their t-shirts. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think maybe, maybe if the crowd could help out with that, that would, that would help. That would be a, you know, a good thing. I don't want to poo-poo on the crowd too much, but maybe I'm, I'm misremembering, but I'm like my formative years with the Blazers and the, the deep playoff runs, I always go back to this one example because it'll be forever burned in my brain. When the Blazers played the Jazz and Carl Malone busted up Brian Grant's eyebrow, mm-hmm. that place was so loud during that series that I'm, I'm there with my dad and I had to cut my hands and scream to talk to him next to me. I had mm-hmm. no voice at the end of every game because that place all night long was just... I mean, you, you had goosebumps from the sound in there all game long. It was just, it was a different level of just rowdiness. I, I'd really well, like to see that Was it at the that Memorial happen. Coliseum? No, that was, that was what, year two? Year two okay. of, of the Rose Garden, I think. Was that, was that 96, 97 or 97, 98? It was one of those two years. I can never remember. Um, but maybe it was because people knew how big that matchup was. And it was, you know, mm-hmm. Stockton and Malone, um, whereas mm-hmm. Rondo and AD or Drew and AD doesn't quite have the same uh, appeal to it. But uh, yeah, again, I, I'm, well, not, I'm, I'm not poo-pooing on the fans here. I, I just I want to see a little bit more from them in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Right, because when the when the fans get behind the Blazers, the Blazers really do usually show up for they feel so. that's a real yeah. thing there's no doubt in my mind and it's they're not just playing to the crowd you know in the post-game interviews when they say we can you know we feed off the fans mm-hmm. they do you can see it mm-hmm. yeah they really do and i don't i don't remember seeing a lot of the blazers inter. i you know maybe at the end when they were making the run where they interact with the crowd and they tell them to get louder and yeah, stuff yeah. that always gets, gets some really gets them going. Well, I want to ask you before we go about any of the, anything you want to comment about any of the other playoff series going on right now, any 
big surprises that you want to talk about? I mean, I know we had the Pacers defeated the Cavs today, um, but I especially in, yeah. in the West. Did you? Good yeah. For you. Good job. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a, I still think the Cavs win the series, but if it goes to seven, I'm giving it to the Pacers to upset on the road. Or to be not on are, the road at Are home. they a three and six match as well? Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, the, uh, oh, but they're three one. <laughs> yeah. Never, never mind. Exactly. Um, I, 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 I didn't, uh, expect the Spurs to lose as badly, but that series is probably going the way that I, I anticipated it. Um, people are seeing why I didn't want to play the thunder, um, in the mm-hmm. playoffs, Paul George. Hi, eight of 10 from three. That's the kind right. of guy that he, there's a reason why I like everything. Like, oh, the Thunder Blazers are four and zero against them. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Paul George and Russell Westbrook can each carry a series by themselves, and they're right. both on the same right. team. But why was why was Mello at the at the post game interview? Because he's still Mello. I couldn't, I couldn't figure that out. I do not understand Carmelo Anthony. Okay, I do not understand. Well, here, him. Here's the thing: if you're a reporter, who would you rather talk to, Carmelo Anthony or Russell Westbrook? I would rather. Talk to Russell Westbrook and Paul George. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> you, you, you really are a glutton for punishment. I have no problem with PG. I want to talk, I I talk about the game. I don't want to sit there and look at Carmelo Anthony. I don't want to talk to Russell Westbrook ever. Ever. I, just, I, I don't know. No, no, thank you. But, yeah, no, he could Carmelo's. Say something, he could say something interesting and you'd be there for it. No, I just, I just don't care what he has to say more often than not. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as the playoffs going, um Obviously, the the old adage of uh, it's not a series until the opponent wins on the uh, away team's floor. Well, it's a series here in Portland. Yeah, you know what? The Blazers didn't mess around. They were like, you know, we need to. They need to have that chip on their shoulder again, and they need to be going back to being the underdogs. I think it'll it'll it served them well in the past, so hopefully it'll serve them well in the future. Yeah, I uh, I still think Portland's gonna come out and win Game Two. Um, the keys to the games in the series from game one still remain the same. They, they need to dictate. They can't give up what they do well. They can't be... So go back to the pick and roll. Go back to the pick and roll and make them pay. Like you, that's how you make them change their coverage. Make them pay what? By making, what? making the right reads. Making the right plays. Or do, go to the counter. Like Dame's going to have to split a double team. And make okay. them play up higher. Now, when they start playing up higher, the passing lanes and the angles get better for Dame. There's just slight little adjustments are all they need to make that and timely shot making. It, it wasn't yeah, like make your shots. If, it, if that, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't like every shot was contested. If one last more night. of those threes had fallen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't like every single shot was contested last night. The Pelicans played good defense. It wasn't the, the world-beating defense. Drew Holiday played phenomenal defense. AD played phenomenal defense. The rest of the guys were serviceable. So beat those guys, you know? Mm-hmm. Force a switch. Force something to happen. Again, that's about dictating. And if you can't dictate in the playoffs, you have no business being there. Mm-hmm. Well... Let's hope <laughs> that they are able to do it. I mean, again, going back to, I don't think the whole thing was a disaster. 
I saw a lot of good things at the beginning. And then, like you said, even with the poor performance in the most of the second half, the Blazers were able to close it out and not win by that huge of a margin. They were able to be right in it right at the end. Do you think overall the Blazers it's hard. I mean, this, I know the answer, what you're going to say to this question. So I have to think about it a, di- a different way. Oh, no, no, do you think ask. over a, do you think over a seven game series, the Blazers are the better team? Yeah, I do. I think they are because I think they learn and apply. I, I think that I, I, I Pelicans have less room for to air. learn and apply. Everyone wants to talk about how the drop off after Damon CJ is drastic. Well, yeah, it is. It's not that drastic because it's, it's Nurkic. Scoring wise, yeah, but I mean, for the Pelicans, it's AD Drew yeah. Rondo. Who mm-hmm. I mean, right. they're in the exact same position with less depth, mm-hmm. so and that's and why less Anthony Davis defensive has to be options, too. Yeah, because they I don't mean, have Blazers any wing help either. Multiple defensive options At, in the on the interior, not so much on the on the perimeter of the wing. Uh, but that's not necessarily a problem with the Pelicans because they don't really pose a perimeter threat um, at the two, three, four um, outside of Miritich or AD if he slides down to the four. So you've got you've got uh, Aminu covering the the middle or you know covering the centers. So you don't need him out on the wings. So you can send him into AD. And, Mir- and I'd rather have Aminu on Miritich. I, mean, I consider and Aminu a wing defender. Eh, he doesn't really. He's he plays on stretch fours more often than not. Okay. He's he's not typically the Blazers, especially without Harkless, haven't been utilizing right, I say, him I guess on the it's Mo, who's actually usually the yeah. the the wing defender. Yeah. And oh, that, come and, back, Mo. And that's that's a huge thing because of the, the versatility that he gives you. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, overall, it was just—it was a disappointing game. Not just the loss, the way they came out. I was—that was why I hit so heavy on our, our preview. I wanted them to come out and establish dominance, establish pace, establish how the series is going to go. And I don't—I just thought that I felt like the first quarter they did. You can't establish anything when you're down after the first and you've scored 18 points. Okay. I mean, I, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. I, <laughs> I I get I get that. I mean, but there were highlights, Dan. There were highlights. <laughs> like I said, Evan Turner getting seven shots in the first quarter is that plays right into the Pelicans' hands. That's, okay, well, it's just think, not a thing. Here's what I think is going to happen on Tuesday. I think Nurkic wakes up. I think the sleeping giant wakes up, and I sure he, hope so. He goes for like 24 and 15 and that gives the uh, Dame and CJ go back to more. I mean, I don't think they're going to have, you know, um, I don't think either of them necessarily is going to go off because I think it's going to be a struggle for them this whole time. But they're going to get closer to like, you know, 25 and Nurkic will have uh, Nurkic will have a big game because if I feel like that's all that real, that's the biggest difference that needs to happen is that he, if he's slamming two handed dunks or even one hand, I would take a one handed dunk. If he's dunking the ball and with authority and he's, you know, roaming the paint, I think the blazers have it. He just needs to, um, you know, he's got the jitters out. It's got the nerves out. This is a real first real playoff game. He's played. I think, um, once, once he comes on full bore, then the blazers are going to be fine. 
I just hope it happens sooner rather than later. Yeah, they and can't. They have to play to catch up. They can't screw around. They they need uh-huh. this game um, desperately. Desperately. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, they got it. They'll they'll rise to the occasion. And and I won't even need to be doing. Just get it to ten, because I'll be saying we need a bigger lead. I'll be saying run up the score. That's what that's what's going to happen. I would I would be well, all Dan. for that. All for it. <laughs> well, Dan, this has been a uh, truly depressing chat with you this evening, but I've that's tried my for. best. I've tried my best uh, to think of my own silver linings because I'm going to just keep going back to there were highlights. It wasn't like the game was without highlights and it wasn't like it was a giant blowout at the end. So the Blazers were able to put some things together. And I do think that they have the advantage of the fact that they have been through a lot together. They can talk to each other. They can call each other out. There was an article from uh, Jason Quick today about Damon CJ and the conversations that they were having immediately after the game. They were texting each other and being honest with each other about what they thought they should have been doing better and how they felt good moving forward. So I think all these things, I think the team is going to be fine, but it would have been nice to start off with a big old blowout win, but we didn't get it. So we'll have to settle for one in game two. (sighs) whatever (laughs) (laughs) so anyway for Dan Morang who's not helping me at all tonight hey you know what I do I I do I do want to end this on a on a good note because I've got the official you're gonna talk about something else right great you're now you're gonna talk about Blazers Outsiders you can't ever talk about like our stuff in a positive happy way but when you bring on the outsiders you're all peppy yep and then when i'm on when then when i'm on blazers outsiders i talk about blazers edge glowingly that's kind of how it works i just kind of go back and forth i'm still waiting to see that episode oh my god it's just (laughs) (sighs) the shade so you should bad. be sending me the highlights so that I I won't be. I, I, I'm I won't on be. the show. I don't I don't I don't need to Come cut on, Dan, up. I don't need to people. cut up edits. Have your people pull the highlights and send them to me of they're, all the glowing things that you they're say. They're on Twitter and Facebook. They're out there. Um, but we do have That's a. What are you talking about? Yeah, we have uh, the uh, Blazers viewing party at Miniman's Baghdad Theater on Hawthorne. Uh, for Game Three, that's Thursday, April nineteenth. Starts at two thirty, going all night long. Um, Rip City Radio will be down there with the pregame. Uh, I believe Travis and Chad will have the lead up coming into that. And then Blazers Outsiders will have your halftime show live there um, with Shane Brennan, Joe Simons, and myself. Um, they're going to be doing all kinds of stuff out there. It should be a big old uh, shindig and hoot and whatever this is they say down in Nashville where Tara's been. Um, yeah, where it was a lot more peppy. A little bit of a hoot and nanny. Was it a hoot and nanny? Oh, God. It was so much fun. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, come out there. Um, come watch me be miserable as the Blazers win because I can't have nice things. Um, or, alternatively, <laughs> they can come find me in a corner rolling my eyes at you, having a very positive and fun time. Whatever. Because I will be there as well. <laughs> but I'm not important. Uh, I'm, you, I'm, I'm, you are important. We all love Tara. Thank every, you, Dan. Every, I'm gonna, everybody I'm gonna, I'm gonna, send Tara love on Twitter because she's not feeling <laughs> love right now. That's at TCB Biggs. Send her all of the love. Uh, but hopefully we can see everybody out there. Uh, we'll be out there all night. And, and as 
we've talked about or as I've talked about in the podcast. Uh, Blazers Outsiders will have your post-game coverage throughout the playoffs following Talking Ball. So we'll be there, win or lose, until midnight on these late, late nights. <laughs> oh, man. I got to tell you, doing a show after a loss be at midnight. Be careful what you wish for, Dan. It's just, <laughs> it's just splendid. Let me tell you. <laughs> Well, I hope for your sake and for all of the Blazers fans' sake that uh, the the Blazers will deliver and take us into the second round. So uh, for Dan, thanks everybody for listening and we will talk to you soon.